Each year, more than 12 million people will hear the same three devastating words. You have. Each year, more than 12 million people will hear the same three devastating words. You have cancer. I'm Lee Silverstein, a survivor of pediatric kidney cancer and stage four colon cancer. My amazing wife, Linda, has taught me that we have cancer because every one of us is affected by it in some way. Survivors, family, friends, and medical and support team members. And we all have a story worth telling. Welcome to We Have Cancer. Welcome to episode 99. Thank you so much for joining me. You know, we call this show We Have Cancer with the emphasis on the word we. If you're listening and you're a patient survivor, you know that we isn't just you, but we is those around you who care for you, your friends, your family, uh, those providing the care. Uh, If you are a caregiver, you know that we have cancer means not just the loved one that you're caring for, but the impact that cancer has on you. And we also means me. I'm not just the host of this podcast, but I too am a stage four uh, survivor and patient of of colorectal cancer. And I receive word we've been watching uh, for over four years now, uh, a metastasis in each of my lungs. We've tried two SBRTs, stereotactic body radiation therapy treatments over the last four years, as well as an ablation radiofrequency ablation for each of the tumors in my lungs. And what those four treatments have done uh, for the last four plus years has slowed the growth of those tumors. But in my recent meeting with my oncologist, we realized that uh, did not slow them permanently and they've started to grow. The good news is, is these are the only two metastases that we've seen in the last four years. And uh, Linda and I met with a thoracic surgeon at the Moffitt Cancer Center here in Tampa, Florida, where I'm, I'm seen. And we've made a decision uh, with, our, with our support team that uh, I'm going to have surgery to remove both of those metastases. So this episode will be coming out uh, on Tuesday, July 17th. The following Monday, I'll be going to the Moffitt Cancer Center undergoing a left uh, segmentectomy, I believe is the way they described it, to remove a portion of my lung and the metastasis in my left lung. And then a few months later, we're going to go back in and do the same thing to the right lung. So uh, your thoughts and prayers are welcomed and appreciated. And we're excited about the future because uh, our thoracic surgeon was incredibly optimistic about uh, the future uh, post-operative in terms of my my diagnosis and my health and the outlook. Uh, and I'm looking forward to hearing those three letters that I haven't heard in years, and that's N-E-D, NED, no evidence of disease. So that's my part of We Have Cancer. This is episode 99, and I'm really excited about the guest for this show. His name is Randy Lopez. You can find Randy all over social media. Uh, He's pretty active on Twitter, 
at stage four survivor. That's stage the number four survivor. And Randy is a 20 year survivor of colorectal cancer, originally diagnosed in 1998 at the age of 34. Randy also serves on the board of directors for the Colon Cancer Coalition, who graciously supports this podcast. And uh, if you've seen the how do I describe it? The logo, I guess, is the best way to go. The logo that says check your colon, and that's uh, displayed with a check symbol, the letters U-R, and the uh, punctuation of the colon symbol, check your colon. Randy is the guy behind uh, behind that symbol. He's the creator of check your colon. Really inspiring and uh, fun conversation with Randy. So join me now for my conversation with Randy Lopez. Randy, welcome to the podcast. How are you this evening? I'm doing great. Great to be here. Uh, you too. I'm really excited to uh, to have you on and uh, get the chance to speak to you. You come highly recommended as we were talking uh, <laughs> before I was at uh, the Fight CRC call on Congress in right. March and uh, you know saw a lot of the promotional things floating around and saw the check url colon symbols and i was talking to sarah deboard and she said that's the work of randy lopez have you talked to randy and i'm like who's randy and she said you need to talk to randy he's on our board of directors uh so here we are oh that's great yes that little uh (laughs) the check your colon has made me famous how did that come to be um you know we were talking um so i do uh branding and marketing my day job that's what i've been uh, doing and uh, we were talking about just the campaigns, and then really it was more strategy. How do we get the word out? You know, all of the things we're always, all of us in this field are, are talking about. And um, I wanted to create something that was just simple. Uh, and for me, I um, uh, personally, I, I, as a cancer survivor, I a lot of times it gets a little too butt focused, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> and I always thought about it. It's for me, you know, with the way that I've thought about cancer, colon cancer was never about the butt. It was always about, it was always about the colon. It was always about that, at least that that aspect. And then I just was thinking about, uh, I think one day it just came up about um, the image of colon and, and how we could use it. Because I always make a joke that I'm a, I'm a semicolon now because, you know, I had my resection. Me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Me we too. have that. So that that's, that's another discussion, whether or not I actually get a tattoo <laughs> that has a semicolon one of these days. But uh, just thought of that. And then I just said, well, why don't we just do something as simple as check your colon? And then, physic, you know, just symbolically, I thought it would look, it would look interesting and something that you kind of look at twice to maybe make sense. So. Yeah, it was just uh, something interesting, and it, it's been nice that people are actually wearing the shirts and creating it and using it as a, a hashtag or, or just signing off with it. So that's been really nice. Where, where do you get to use your, your marketing uh, talents today? <laughs> well, I um, uh, a lot of places. Actually, I come from, I come from a lot of restaurant uh, branding and marketing. I was the vice president of marketing for um, – some chains in the past for Buca de Beppo restaurants, which is a national restaurant. And then I was the vice president of marketing for Del Taco uh, and on the agency side for the, a number of agencies. Now I have my own boutique agency called the Jake Agency. I work with a lot of uh, nonprofits and also work with a lot of restaurants helping to create brands. Um, so it's more of a, a creative shop. And then 
I even have a theater company um, that uh, here in Southern California in LA, um, right? Uh, well, we're we're in Upland, Upland and Claremont, and uh, we uh, we have that as another outlet. So all sorts of creative stuff going on. You're a busy guy. Yeah. So, so it it's been twenty years since you were yes. diagnosed. And uh, I don't get the chance that often on the show to speak to people uh, with that kind of uh, lack of a better word. Uh, Maybe there is one. It's just not coming to me now. Longevity, uh, you know, since original diagnosis. How how does how do you view your disease? Uh, I read an interesting quote uh, that you had shared and you wrote, we live a cancer life. And that really caught my attention after 20 years. What did you mean by that? You know, I'm not sure the con- context of it, but it's most likely the we is, is my, my wife and me and my family. Because everything we do, it's still kind of, it has impact every day. I mean, you're thinking about it pretty much every day. And, and at this point, it's you're grateful. But then it's always, you know, even if you're like yourself, if you're just going for your um, your scans a few years after or wherever, it's always there. So my life revolves around it, around cancer. And uh, I also, because I'm fortunate enough to still be here, part of what I do now is I like to talk to people. I had maybe the weird, not like, but I feel, you know, it's, well, it's, it's good to talk to people. Um, but I feel like there's an obligation to talk to people and just let them know that I'm here just to just to show that it could, it's possible. So uh, pretty much every week I'm talking to people that are going through it or their family. And uh, I mean, again, that's, that's a, um, I'm blessed to be able to do that. And uh, so, yeah, it's just kind of cancer is around. It's in, and you know, it, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of when you have cancer, once people know your friends, you become the cancer conduit where people are sourcing, you know, you out, because you've gone through it, maybe you've gone through treatment or you've gone through uh, whatever it, it is, but you become that person. So whenever they know someone that has cancer, you become that person. So you're always surrounded and, and you're kind of a, uh, a lightning rod for it, I guess. How, how do you, how do you feel about that? Being <laughs> kind of, kind of in that, in that, in that role? You know what? I'd probably think the same way. I mean, maybe the same way you are. That there is, you're honored because you're able to, to help people and at least give them some hope and tell them some about you know, you know your war stories. Um, I mean, you have this forum that does that, that helps, and that is uh, you're grateful that you're able to do it. And there are times where it is difficult because um, you know you may be just going through your normal life, uh, and all of a sudden you get that call and someone's going through it and it brings it all back. So it's, 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 you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say it wasn't difficult because it is. And, you know, you're, if you're dealing with people like mutual people that we know, they're involved in organizations that, or doctors, I mean, they're dealing with people that are surviving. They're dealing pe- with people that lose or that, you know, unfortunately pass. And that is a difficult thing to be around all the time. So, you know, I, I can't sugarcoat it. I wish I could be one of those people that just laughs about it and, jokes and that's kind of the but you know there's a real um you know it's difficult at times so it, mm-hmm. it's a blessing you know but it is you know uh when all is said and done how could i not be grateful 
and how could I not talk to anyone that's going through it if if there's anything I can do that can help or at least let them know that what they're feeling is normal because uh, I went through it too. Is there an element of survivor's guilt in there at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you, I think, I think for some reason, yeah, yeah. You picked up on that one really quickly. <laughs> they, yeah, there is. I mean, I, I don't know. Do you, do you ever feel that with when you're talking to people? Um, you know, it's interesting because I'm not disease free. Uh, I'm stable and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I live the life of scan to scan with another one coming up any day. Now, uh, this will be right. in the past by the time this episode comes around. But at the same time, even though I am stage four, I work full time. I'm in the gym right. every day, and there is—I don't know that I call it survivor's guilt, but there's sometimes for me, and I've shared this on other episodes, a sense of I don't belong when I see the struggles that, thank goodness, at this point I haven't had to deal with, but many of my dear, dear friends that I love so much are experiencing, and they're stage four too. So I'm stage four. They're stage four. Right. But I still don't feel like I belong. Yeah, I think because that's probably, I'm not yeah. dealing with the challenges they did that they do. Right, and I think if that that's, makes any sense. <laughs> that makes total sense because I think that's part of it. I mean, first off, how could I feel guilty or horrible when I was 34 and you find out when there are kids going through it? So you know, there that's the that's the real that's the difficult one for me. And 34 was young because my kids were young at the time, and, and you know, you're starting, you're still starting your career and doing things. Again, I don't know. I, I, I think it's um, maybe a little bit of that survivor's guilt, but it's just, you know, you lose so many people. You know, 20 years, I've, I've, and I started getting involved with the cancer organizations pretty quick, right, after I was I went through my initial treatment. So, you know, you meet a lot of people and you go through it. So, you know, you, I don't know if it's, it's necessarily survivor's guilt. It's just an ongoing sense of loss. And then you, and then on the other hand, now I'm talking to people that are younger, twenties, um, thirties, when they were diagnosed, that are because of medicines changing and treatments changing, outcomes are changing, that they're they're coming out, and it's a lot more of an optimistic future. Um, so I'm not as it's not as rare anymore. So it's it's and that part is really interesting when it's. When you see cases where it is a kind of like a chronic disease, which is the way I always thought of it, at least to get in my head, um, that it was something if I could just keep it like uh, like you. I mean, if, if you could stay, be stage four, but stay at the place where you're at, you can have a life. If I could just stay at that place. So it's, uh, yeah, it's different. I mean, you go through a lot of different emotions. And, and I just turned uh, 55 this last uh, last two weeks. So, you know, you do a lot of reflection. When you when you hit those milestones, how do you feel that having gone through this you know, twenty years ago, right? How, how are you? How are you different? Oh um, well, I think I'd say completely. You know, it's one of the uh, I read Helen Kubler Ross when I first went through it. You know, the fear, anger, acceptance, denial—the whole phases uh, went through all that. At that point, I was hoping just to be able to get through another five. You know, and see my kids grow up a little bit get through junior high and high school. And so to be able to now see them turning into, you know, going to be a 31-year-old and a 26-year-old, um, that's amazing. I didn't think I'd be able to see that. So that's changed. I tend to be more, you know, to answer your question on how has it changed me, it's changed myself and my wife, that we tend to be a lot more 
open to things, um, even though your day to day gets still stressful, like it always does. But you you see you see things from a different elevation, uh, and I think it's because we were married young, uh, when, you know, we dated in high school, um, married in college, so we've known each other. But we went through the cancer and the illness very young too, in, in our thirties, that life and death struggle that you go through when you're you know seen older. Uh, normally or traditionally, 70s and 80s, whatever the ages are. So that changes when you go through all of that. Um, so which is why probably when you asked me what I did, um, there's a lot of saying yes to things. There's a lot of saying yes to uh, the way that I've changed is that I say yes to a lot of stuff in the terms of of nonprofits and things I can do for the community, things I can do um, for friends. And I also, we also say, let's as a as a couple, let's do things that we really want to do, as opposed to, you know, we don't know how long life will be. So my wife was an attorney at the time and was practicing, and now she is uh, running a theater company. And uh, you know, so we've we've made big changes just to kind of embrace life. I often see people posting in the various Facebook groups talking about their struggle to stay hydrated. And if that applies to you, you should check out H2ORS. H2ORS is an oral rehydration solution. It's a medically accepted alternative to IV hydration. So for those of you who are struggling with this issue of staying hydrated, either due to an ostomy or perhaps chemotherapy, H2ORS is something for you to consider. It'll really help replenish your fluids and electrolyte levels. As a matter of fact, it has three times the electrolytes of most of the popular sports drinks without the excess sugar, artificial flavors, or artificial colors. My buddy Chris Shaw over at H2ORS is offering listeners of the podcast an opportunity to try a free sample of H2ORS. All you need to do is just go to their site, h2ors.com forward slash sample, and they'll ship a free sample out to you, no strings attached. And when you're ready to make your first purchase at h2ors.com, if you use the coupon code CCPOD, they'll give you 10% off your first order. Be sure to stick around at the end of this interview for our new Ask the Doctor segment and to learn how you can get your rear in gear. You were in your 30s. You've been married over 10 years when you were diagnosed. Right. So I asked, I asked how it changed you. How did the experience change your relationship with Beatrice? Oh, um, quite a bit. I'd say we were... Uh... Uh, everything gets very focused, uh, you, you know, you, when you get that stage three and then, you know, um, after finished chemo and surgery, having a few months trying to get your life back and then finding out that it metastasized. So you go through, um, surgery again for a liver resection and, and chemo treatments again, and knowing that it is stage four, um, you, I kind of cleaned house in terms of you know, making peace with relationships and kind of doing all that. Um, we tend to, uh, it, it, it changed the relationship because how could it not? You're all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're complaining about bills and picking up the kids and doing a lot of minutia. The next, you know, a few weeks later, you're dealing with life and death. Um, so either I could see where it could be terrible for relationships and 
and uh, and I'm fortunate enough that my wife was my champion and the one that was my coach and got me through it. Um, and my kids and my and my 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 folks, my in laws. But uh, for us, I think it just kind of made it. Um, uh, we became very tighter. There's a there's a line that I like in The Godfather when. Um, my when, favorite movie. Yeah, exactly. There's, you know, everybody's. So the Godfather is <laughs> so, so when. Obviously, obviously, it's not leave the gun, take the cannolis. No, so it's not the cannoli. But that's always good. That's always something you should follow. Always follow that. Um, but uh, the uh, going to the mattresses when they go to, they're going to do wars with the five, battle with the five families. They basically say they're going to go to the mattresses, which means they all get together and huddle up in. Remember, in an empty building and the mattresses, they all sleep there and stay. So basically when this happened, it's we went to go to the mattresses, which um, you go and you just you, you just take care of your family. You go to the, the, the small family unit and you just take care of each other. And I think that's kind of where, um, yeah, I hadn't thought about that one in a long time. But yeah, what too, that's kind of what it was like. Uh, it's interesting, too, because, you know, this uh, I would say this first came up. When I interviewed uh, Sarah DeBoer of the Colon Cancer Coalition, and and she was pretty upfront. We we talked a lot about the impact of of the of her disease on her relationship. Yeah. And for our listeners who may want to go back and and listen to that conversation with Sarah, you can go to wehavecancershow.com forward slash zero seven five. And Sarah talked openly about that it revealed trouble in her, in her marriage. Yeah. And, and it's been my experience in talking to other people that a challenge like this uh, puts a magnifying glass up against yes. relationships. And I know personally for me, it's taken a marriage and uh, you know, my wife and I have been married about five and a half years now, obviously second marriage for both of us. Uh, it has magnified what was already good and highlighted it and highlighted how much better it even could be. And I think it works the other way too, is if there is trouble, boy, does Mm -hmm. that trouble can get magnified too. It's kind of like, um, and kids do that too at the beginning, you know, having any change like that, at least for us, it's, you feel, I would say when you have kids, you feel things more, more, you, you're, you're. You're, you enjoy things more, you're happier, but then you're also more tired and your anger and this things can be polarized. There's so many emotions. It was, it was a lot of things to deal with. And I think it's also the person. So the relationship is one part, but I always recommend for people that are going through cancer, particularly people that are younger, where you are dealing with life and death, obviously everybody's age doesn't matter, but it's different when you're dealing with it in your twenties and thirties than if you're dealing with it in your eighties and seventies, just because you're, that's when you theoretically would be starting family or whatever your life. It's different. I always tell people that, um, counseling is really good to go through when you're going through it because there's a lot of issues, you know, why did I get this? And and what does it mean for my life or, or physically or emotionally? There's just so much you go through, not to mention once you start getting all those chemicals that start playing with you too, with, you know, if you've never felt sick, all of a sudden you're getting treatments that are making you better, but ultimately, you know, but are also horrible uh, or can be. So you're dealing with that, even the, the roller, the roller coaster of getting my chemo where you, you get really sick. And then when you start feeling better, you got to go back and get more chemo. And that just psychological part was really difficult for me. 
So I always tell people that, you know, if uh, you may want to get some counseling, uh, you may want to get on antidepressants to help you too, because you're dealing with so much um, as just part of your own treatment. But that's, you know, those kind of things. Yeah, it, it, it hits. And so I think for me, again, to go back to the question for the relationship was I did some counseling too that helped out a lot that just got my head in a better place because I was dealing with so much. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it makes sense. Look, it's, it's, it's a big enough challenge to have to deal with, uh, unto itself. And then you, mm-hmm. you weave all the other pieces into it, uh, right. going out and seeking some, some psychological support in addition to the medical, you know, the physiological support is a, is a good idea. And I think that's a good segue for something that I saw in your story, Randy, that I wanted to delve into. You talked about, uh, you know, when you were initially diagnosed and figuring out treatment and you made a decision through, from what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, through some mm-hmm. intensive research that uh, there was a facility in uh, Indianapolis, I believe, uh, the Block Integrative Medici- Medical Center. What was it that prompted you to seek them out and what were they able to provide that you weren't getting right. uh, from traditional treatment? Okay. Well, um, uh, great question. Actually, that they're in um, they're in Evanston. They're in Illinois. Um, Illinois. It's, yeah, it's started a, with it's an I. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it, close. It's same. Um, but no, it's a, it's a great group. What and, and I and I can't. I also cannot take the credit because my wife. That's the one thing of having a wife who did a lot of research. You know, obviously going through law school and going and and being an attorney. She was used to researching. This, these are the back of the day. This was back in, what, 98, 99. So I think we were still doing dial-up with an AOL CD to try to go <laughs> online. But she, she was the one who really did the research. And what happened was that we had gone through treatment at MD Anderson in Florida and had a, a good treatment there. And I was actually part of their campaign on cancer survivors after I'd finished treatment. So I was you know, feeling really good about it, starting my new job and doing things. Well, when it came back, uh, we were back in Southern California. We went to some places. Um, we went to uh, went to UCLA. And uh, at that time, they basically didn't see the efficacy of having me go through treatment again uh, in terms of chemo because I'd just gone through it. So it it, it just seemed a little more of a uh, less aggressive at that point, um, uh, treatment that they were looking at. So, which could have, you know, which horrified us with that outcome. So she did research and found a physician in Chicago that was doing pediatric liver resections. And, um, uh, he was, uh, doing a lot of transplants, a good doctor. And then she, we were reading books. We read all sorts of books on cancer. We found a, a book by Keith Block. And at that point, he was talking about an integrated approach using traditional and homeopathic vitamin supplements and even meditation and the whole body-mind, which we were reading Andrew Weil at that point too. And, and, and I was using a lot of meditation even for treatments the first time I had cancer. So I didn't have to, because I was getting nauseous on all the, um, the, nausea, the anti-nausea medication. And I didn't want to be drugged all the time. So I was doing a lot of these different uh, meditation and breathing and the whole bit. So we found um, 
Keith Block and really liked his approach. So when we met the physician, uh, the doctor that was going to be the surgeon for me, uh, we found that the Block Center was just fantastic with their um, uh, the dietary considerations. Because at that point, we were going still, MD Anderson, a lot of hospitals were still telling people cancer patients, you know, just drink and sure, just, you know, it just, it doesn't matter where you get calories, you got to just keep calories. So, you know, the ice cream's okay mindset. So we, uh, we didn't get that there and uh, went to a pescatarian diet. Actually, they wanted me to be uh, vegan, which was really difficult for me. Um, I still like flavor. So <laughs> yeah, nothing wrong with it. I'm, I'm grateful people that are, uh, I wish I could, but, uh, but anyways, pescatarian, and it was just a great place. So that was a place that um, very influential. Obviously, I felt very comfortable there. They did a lot of lab work. I was on a lot of formulated nutrients and uh, supplements. And uh, and also the, the way that they treated me as a patient. And the good news is there's so many places that have that mindset now that you can find all over the place. So, but at that point, oh, it was yeah. difficult. I mean, yeah, difficult to find even it. A- yeah, even a Sloan, a Sloan Kettering. Uh, I yeah. did a search on their site, and I think what I searched was medit- meditation. And yeah. it, it came, they had like two over 200 resources uh, yeah. on meditation on the Sloan Kettering site. It's, it's so amazing, it's, yeah. So it, it's not about, I just want to be clear for our listeners, it's not about, oh, abandon chemotherapy and go take Correct. supplements and eat, eat veggies. It's combining Yes. Both. Yes. Uh, both. And, and the thought process there is what? Well, you know, the, the idea was that we wanted, I, <laughs> what made sense for me was just hit it with everything you have, that I was going to be, I was still young. This is my last chance to try to beat it. So I wanted to hit it with everything. And um, so I did have chemo. They actually had a, I was on a pump, chronotherapy. I think there was a press release with me with using chronotherapy. So I was getting, you know, that uh, NASA pump that I would have attached to me while I was getting chemo for the week and uh, instead of just getting a push. So there was a lot of different things that they were doing. And, and you know, it, it also was um, a real quick story. I was, uh, I was, at that time, I was the vice president of Buca di Beppo. And Buca, if you've ever been there, it's a Southern Italian uh, restaurant with a lot of imagery from... Um, I have. I've been there. Yeah. Okay. Good. So it's you know how they have the Catholic you know elements and yeah. stuff from the uh-huh. Pope. And so I was brought up Catholic. I went to Catholic school. So that that stuff all you know I'm like oh I know where this you know so guilt and and images were great for me. <laughs> so so uh, and what we did was every time we had a restaurant we'd have it blessed by a priest. But if if I was in a different area or community, if like if it was, um, I think in Detroit, I had a rabbi and a priest bless the restaurant. In Hawaii, I had a kahuna bless the priests, bless the restaurant as well. So every time <laughs> I would find a, a spiritual person that I thought this is a really positive, good person, whether they were uh, a rabbi, a priest, a kahuna, whoever, I had them pray for me because I'm like this, I, I. I'm going to hit this with everything I can. And I, I felt, you know, I, you know what, you could just feel, if you want to say the energy or just whatever. It, for me, getting a blessing from somebody that wished well for me was a very positive thing. So the same thing with cancer treatment was like, I'm going to hit with everything because I'm not sure what is going to be the magic bullet for this. But I want to be 
Um, it makes sense for me if my body is in as good health as I can while I'm going through this treatment, that I'm active, that I'm still forcing myself because I didn't want to be seen as a sick person, even though I was, you know, I was pretty sick going through it. But I wanted people to just see me as going through and, you know, still walking. So I, I really pushed myself. So all of that kind of had the same mindset where, um, uh, and, and Keith, it was also, it wasn't a new age spiritual. It was, it was founded in, in medicine. It was also founded with a respect to, you know, eating and natural supplements. So it, it just all made sense for me. Um, so, but so yeah, I'm definitely not telling people to, uh, do one or the other. For me, my approach was hit it with everything traditional as well as, uh, newer newer elements well i think the keyword there is integrative so you're combining, yeah it you're, is you're, yep. you're basically doing both has the experience you know, taken that approach has it uh changed your lifestyle uh today i think so you know you kind of backslide a little bit when you get out of it in terms of the diet is not as well i need to lose some weight and um, but um i'm still learning all the time um i feel that uh even when i went through that experience i was it was all new um, so it's everything for me is always still very new. I tend to look at things through, through new eyes. Uh, it's just, it, it's had a huge impact. I mean, I, and just as I'm thinking about it and we're talking about this, I, when I celebrated this 20 year, um, it was in March, 20 years since I was first diagnosed and I was misdiagnosed for two years before that. I, I still make it a point of, of reaching out to a lot of those doctors, uh, that are still around and that were working with me just to let them know that I'm here and thanking them. Because I think that's important for them too to, to uh, you know, you need a success a success story. So, uh, and I'm grateful for them. They really they had a, uh, they did. They were such good people. So um, I also send a note. I think it's written somewhere. The doctor that misdiagnosed me, I sent her a reminder on Colon Cancer Awareness Month just to make sure she's checking patients. So. Um. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure that's done out of love. And it, not, it, uh, you know what? It, no, it's not hostility. It, I'd say, let's say, twenty years. I'd say probably seventeen years. It was hostility, uh, but no, it really is. Um, yeah, at this point, I'm here. I'm okay. I'm good. I just don't want. Does she respond? You know. Oh no, 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 no. Okay, I'm just curious. No, not a word. But, you know, I just don't want that to happen again. It's wonderful to, to not only speak with you, but to, uh, you know, you're kind of a, uh, whether you want to be or not, Randy, you're kind of a beacon. You're kind of a beacon for the rest of us who are stage four. Uh, I was on the phone with somebody just the other day, you know, just peppering me with a lot of questions because uh, mm -hmm. she's stage four and has all those fears that, we totally understand and we've all been yeah. there. Um, and mo I'm going to go out on a limb. I don't really think it's much of a limb that uh, people who are diagnosed stage four, many of them don't think they're going to be around to share their story right. 20 years later. And uh, you're proof yeah. positive that it is possible. Yeah, I am. Um, that was the big thing. When I started, I, I, I think I was, I was being treated and I found um, the Colon Cancer Alliance. And that's how I joined. I became actually I joined their board, but at that time I was just trying to reach and find and hear from somebody who was my age that had gone through it, um, and I couldn't find anybody. So that was really frustrating for me, uh, because the issues I felt were a little different in my age group than they were for anyone else. So that's always been a, a focus, and that's why I'm involved now with the uh, 
Colon Cancer Coalition and all the other groups, um, because I, I, you're right. I mean, just just so they can hear our voice and say, yeah, I went through this. And yes, be able to say I was diagnosed 20 years ago. And yes, there are side effects. And I actually go to, I want my doctors now to know what the side effects are and what's going on, because I want them to be aware of treating long-term um, survivors, uh, which there's going to be more and more on different effects, uh, you know, long-term, what happens to them. So that's, that's, that's kind of a focus right now. Randy, where can people find you online? Uh, they can find me, um, you could find me at Randy at uh, Jake Agency, J-A-K-E, agency.com. That's my uh, group. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, I have two. I have one for me, which is at Randy Lopez. You can also find me at uh, Stage 4 Survivor. That's uh, on Twitter. Uh, four is the number. That's where I see most of your uh, your your online presence is, is through Twitter. Yeah. And I yeah. noticed you, you put out uh, like a, a daily or quasi-daily newsletter. Yes. Yeah. I think I started that a, a, a number of years ago. So, um, yeah, I kind of even forget what little things are out there, but it was just uh, – <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of the Horton Hears a Who, just letting people know I'm here. Well, thanks for, first and foremost, you know, let, let's catch up. Uh, hopefully our paths will cross uh, sooner rather than later, but uh, I'll, I'll put a note on my calendar and let's uh, let's celebrate uh, another 20 years, 20 years from now. Yes, let's but, let's uh, set this, yeah, let's keep doing this. And then I will also be in contact with you. I want to find out how you're, how you go in the next week or so. I appreciate that. Uh, but uh, thanks for all the great work that you're doing. Continue good health. Uh, and thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you for doing this. It's my pleasure. Lots of exciting events taking place across the country. A lot of great Get Your Rearing Gear events. Let's start with uh, happening this coming Sunday. July 22nd at Tinley Park, Illinois, is the 5K Run, Walk, and Kids Fun Run taking place at Community Park. That's a great Get Your Rear and Gear event taking place for our friends in Tinley Park, Illinois. Then coming up on the 4th of August, Saturday, August 4th, we have two great events taking place at the same time obviously different places. Our friends in and around Green Bay, Wisconsin, you've got your crack at a 5K run, one and a half mile walk and kids fun run. That Green Bay event, again, taking place August the 4th at the Aurora Bay Care Medical Center. And for our friends out west in Portland, Oregon, you've got your Get Your Rear and Gear 5K run, walk and kids fun run. That is taking place at Mount Tabor City Park in Portland. And then the following week, coming up on Sunday, August 12th, for our friends up in Vermont, Colchester, Vermont, 5K Run Walk, taking place at Bayside Park. And then an interesting event taking place on the 15th of August, uh, middle of the week, in Minnesota, Victoria, Minnesota, is the Caboose Cup Sean McQuillan Memorial Golf Outing. This is a fun golf outing to raise uh, funds to support colorectal cancer research, and it's taking place at Deer Run Golf Club in Victoria, Minnesota. And then coming up on the 19th of August, Sunday the 19th, is a really interesting event for our friends in uh, Wilmington, Delaware. A summer jazz benefit concert. 
If you're a jazz fan, this is an event you won't want to miss. It's presented by Paul J. Butler, uh, featuring members of the, oh, I'm going to have a fun time with this name, Apoquinmic High School Jazz Band. There we go. And the Colby Wall Quartet. This is all taking place Sunday, August 19th at 3 p.m. for our friends in Delaware. Wilmington to be specific. Uh, coming up on August 25th uh, for our friends out in Des Moines, Iowa. This is a 10K run, 5K run, walk, and kids fun run taking place at Raccoon River Park in West Des Moines, Iowa. And that is your update for July and August Color Cancer Coalition and Get Your Rear and Gear events. <laughs> Welcome to Ask the Doctor, where your questions regarding cancer and cancer treatment are answered by Dr. Tim Cannon. Dr. Cannon is with the Inova Medical Group in Fairfax, Virginia, and he's a board-certified medical oncologist specializing in gastrointestinal cancers. Dr. Cannon, thanks once again for joining us. Uh, Our question this week is around testing. Uh, What's the difference between genetic testing and tumor testing, and as a patient, is this something I should have done? All right. Well, this this question always causes a lot of confusion uh, because um, a lot of people are getting genetic counseling and genetic testing, uh, and a lot of people are also getting their tumors tested for the, the genetics of the tumor uh, with with a genomics panel. It's often called comprehensive genomic sequencing or CGS panels like Foundation Medicine and Caris and some of those companies that do this. And so a lot of people get confused about where these uh, genetic counseling overlaps with these uh, genomic sequencing panels. So when you see a genetic counselor, uh, typically they're going to write out a family tree, hear your family history, get a a swab uh, of your saliva or take a blood sample, and they are looking for the genetics that you were born with and the genetic changes or mutations that may predispose you to cancer. These genetic findings are on essentially all of your cells uh, on all parts of your body. They're things you're born with, things you may have inherited from your parents, things that you may pass down to your kids. And so we call those types of genetic changes germline changes, things you were born with. They were in you when you were a germ. They're from the germline. And, uh, and so uh, now that is in contrast to genomic testing of tumors. Uh, when, when your oncologist takes your tumor and sends it uh, to Foundation Medicine or some other company that's doing genomic sequencing, they are looking for a different type of mutation. Um, mostly, that's called a somatic mutation, meaning it's a DNA mutation uh, that occurred during your lifespan. Uh, I guess it's best to think of that as an accident that happened as cells were dividing. And these types of mutations are typically in the tumor, but not typically in the rest of the cells in your body. Uh, so, for example, uh, the woman with breast cancer. Uh, is may see a genetic counselor and is found to have a BRCA1 or BRCA1 mutation and that has predisposed her to the cancer. And she uh, then has all of her family members tested for this same uh, mutation. This is a germline mutation. On the other hand, 
you may have a patient with a colon cancer that gets uh, he gets his uh, the testing of the tumor done. He's discovered to have a BRAF, a BRAF mutation. Uh, this is something that he's not born with. This is something that occurred uh, accidentally as the cell was dividing, and there's been a genetic mutation that that has caused the cancer. And this type is called a somatic mutation. And so uh, it's important to understand the distinction between those two. Uh, the, uh, neither test is really trying to discover the other. You know, most most uh, genomic sequencing tests of tumors are a little are are not really looking at, for germline mutations, and most genetic counselors that do a swab of your uh, saliva are not you know cannot see uh, mutations that have developed only in your tumor. So again, those two concepts. There's two different types of mutations. One is somatic in the tumor. One is germline. That's in all of your cells. Thank you for clearing that up. That uh, a little complicated topic, and uh, I think you've made it a lot uh, easier for us to understand. So we appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. I hope so, Lee. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to We Have Cancer, and thank you to our sponsors, H2ORS and the Colon Cancer Coalition, for your support. We Have Cancer is a proud supporter of Genie's Blue Angels, providing financial support to those affected by colorectal cancer.